Baseball Tonight, the podcast. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Monday, May 2nd, 2022. And today will be better than yesterday. Producing from his home studio in the foothills of Connecticut at his new home is Taylor Schwank. Sarah Abbott is working from Connecticut as well. I'm Buster only working from my home office in New York. Really interesting Sunday night baseball game between the Mets and the Phillies. You had Max Scherzer, future Hall of Famer, pitching against Zach Eflin. And it looked like early on it was going to be completely dominated by pitching. The 0-2 pitch, swing and a miss, strike three. What a start for Scherzer. He strikes out the side. Segura and Harper swinging. Hoskins looking. That was Jim Basquill on ESPN Radio with that call. Scherzer would strike out the first five batters. The six-hitter in the Phillies lineup, Kyle Schwarber, came to the plate in the second inning. Swing and a drive out toward right field. Marte going back. He looks up, and that ball is off the top of the wall and gone. Kyle Schwarber with his sixth home run of the year. Yeah, if he sounded shocked, I think it was because everybody in the ballpark was shocked considering how dominant Scherzer was early. This turned into kind of a slugfest, and Dominic Smith had himself a great night. And the pitch, swinging a liner up the middle. That's a base hit. McNeil is in to score. Alonzo on his heels. They both score. And the Mets get two runs on a two-out single from Dominic Smith. Three runs across in the New York half of the fifth. The Mets lead the Phillies 6-3. to three. And they went on to win the game 10-6. to six. Dominic Smith with four hits. And the interesting thing is, this comes at a time when the Mets and every other team has to cut down their roster to 26 by noon Eastern time on Monday. And so one of the options that the Mets have is to send Dom Smith the minors, or they could release Robinson Cano, who's batting 195. After the game, Dominic Smith talked with Mike Leaves on SportsCenter. The Mets right now, Dom, have the best record in the National League, the only team in baseball to win every series so far. What's been different for you guys to start this season compared to last? Uh, I think it starts with Buck. Um, Buck, he, he, he demands a lot, and uh, he, he expects us to play uh, baseball a certain way. And uh, I think uh, this group that we brought in, um, it's just very professional, and uh, we, we come to the ballpark every day, and we don't just expect to win, but we put in the work so we, we can uh, play good baseball. And I think it's showing over the course of the season so far. Uh, we know it's a long year. Uh, we just got to take it one day at a time, keep uh, showing up early, keep preparing, and I think uh, we'll get to where we want to go at the end of the year. I know those fans behind you are excited about what you got coming up tomorrow night with the Braves coming in town, right? First series against the defending champions. As you said, it is early. It's a long season, but it is an opportunity to make a statement early on. What are your expectations? Yeah, we're excited. Uh, you know, we, we got a dominant, uh, really good pitching staff, uh, great rotation, great bullpen, and this lineup is, is long, and it's hard to go through. It's uh, two, three, four times in the night, and uh, we're excited. We're excited to play the Braves. We know that's a great team. Um, they always play us pretty hard, and uh, we can't wait to see what we can do. Um, our home fans, I mean, they're the best fans in the world. They come out, they support us, they give us that energy, and we can't wait for this series against the Braves. The Orioles, the Red Sox, Baltimore won on Saturday and had a chance to take the series on Sunday. And they got it done. The 3-2. That's hit to deep right center field. Way back for Odor. And that baby's long gone. Rugnet Odor. With his first Orioles home run. And he gives Baltimore a 4-1 lead. 
That from WBAL, the Orioles will win 9-5. to five. We've talked about how the American League East teams, when they play the Orioles, there's a special type of pressure. We'll be talking today about the Red Sox and whether or not they're in trouble a month into the season. Diamondbacks, Cardinals, and the Cardinals trail by a run in the bottom of the seventh inning. Harrison Bader at the plate. Open stance for Bader. The one-two pitch to the Cardinals center fielder is hit high and deep to left field. Backing up is Peralta. He looks up, and it's gone. Big fly, Harrison Bader. And the Cardinals take the lead. On the way to a 7-5 win, there's Ricky Horton on the Cardinals radio network. Now, late last week, Major League Baseball announced that it has suspended Trevor Bauer for two seasons. The 324-game suspension without pay is for violating the league's domestic violence policy. The 31-year-old Bauer, who is appealing, has been away from the team since July 2021, that being the Dodgers, of course, after Major League Baseball opened an investigation into sexual assault allegations against him and put him on administrative leave. Carl Ravitch and I are going to talk today about whether or not Trevor Bauer will pitch in the big leagues again. The Cincinnati Reds put Jonathan India on the injured list, and then after that, they set a mark for the worst start in franchise history. They lost the Rockies 10-1. to the Reds have opened this year 3-19. and 19. The Yankees, the Royals in Kansas City, and Aaron Judge and the Yankees are rolling. Aaron Judge drills this ball to center field, and there's no doubt about this one. Welcome back to the lineup. Aaron Judge had the night off last night, and he just tattooed his seventh home run of the year. And Yankees on the board, 1-0. Like he did right there, deep to right. Dozier going back, going back, gone. A two home run game for Aaron Judge, number eight, and the Yankees lead six to four. John Flaherty on the play by play on the Yes Network. The Yankees have moved into first in the American League East. The Angels and the White Sox. And at the top of the first inning, Mike Trout went deep. Here's the 1-1 on Trout. Lifts this one in the air. It's well hit out into right center. And that one is Trout of here. Mike Trout has homered. That's his first one in the series. That's his club high sixth of the season. And it's 1-0 Angels. Angels win this game 6-5. But the news wasn't all great. Shohei Otani had to come out of the game because of a tight groin. Uh, he told reporters that he expects to play later today. Joe Madden was more circumspect in speaking with reporters. I have no new updates. I, I'm sure you guys got word on uh, what was going on, but nothing new yet. I noticed at the end he didn't uh, finish hard, which is not like him. Did he say anything? Or? No, he, we said something to the trainer. He said something to Frosty, and that's when I found out. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11 ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with Code Baseball. That's Code Baseball. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, the clutch hits, the strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. 
So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. In Dodger Stadium on Saturday, Clayton Kershaw had a big moment. Now the 0-2. Call strike three, and that will end the inning. The inning in which Kershaw breaks the individual strikeout record. What do you know? He strikes out the side. And as he walks to the Dodger dugout, a standing ovation at Dodger Stadium. Kershaw is known for being hyper-focused, all business on the days he pitches, but he took the time to step off the mound and acknowledge the cheers from Dodgers fans. The Dodgers are an organization rich in pitching achievement, especially after the franchise moved from Brooklyn to Los Angeles, generating Hall of Famer Sandy Koufax, Don Drysdale, Don Sutton, as well as Cy Young Award winners Mike Marshall, Fernando Valenzuela, Oral Hershiser, Eric Gagne, Kershaw now stands above all of them in career strikeouts. Kershaw was circumspect after the game about where he is in his career and how much time he might have left in the big leagues. Yeah, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to just pitch the pitch. You know, I, I, that's not a goal of mine uh, to stick around. I don't have any interest in just sticking around to be around. So um, I want to be here to contribute to a team that might win a World Series. That's that's what I want to do. And. Um, if either of those things aren't around, I don't see myself sticking around. So if, I, if I'm not helpful, um, I won't be here. So I'm glad that you know I've had a good start to the season, but got a long way to go. Kershaw has won three Cy Young awards and has finished in the top three in voting for three other years. He has a career ERA of 2.49. When Kershaw's career is over, he will be a first ballot slam dunk inductee and should be a unanimous selection. It's the Ravi Train with Carl Ravage. The Ravi Train was at City Field last night. Carl Ravage, play-by-play man on Sunday Night Baseball. How you doing on this Monday? I'm doing great. We had a good game last night. That was kind of cool. We had a lot of we had a lot of offense. One team hit the ball over the wall. The team that won actually, Busters, you know, had had a bunch of hits and they didn't hit a home run. So that that part was neat. That was a baseball game. We had great pitching to start. We had action. We had hit and runs. Uh, you know, we had a little controversy at the end with hit by pitches, so it was a that was a real kind of good baseball game that encompassed a lot of different elements. Yeah, there are a lot of twists and turns early on. We're wondering if Max Scherzer. I actually was beginning to look up. Like uh, I texted uh, Sarah Langs. So I'm like, okay, what's the record for most strikeouts I'm to start sure. a game? And then <laughs> right. it was Jacob Degrom. And you get ready for that. You're wondering if Max Scherzer might throw a no hitter, and then he starts giving up bombs, right? And yep. you're right. And then Kyle Schwarber, you know, who was in a funk three days ago. Now he's out of that funk. He's hitting home exactly. runs. And the Mets, you know, could throw out a bunch of hits. And in the middle of it, uh, Francisco Lindor wore a mic for us, which was absolutely a blast again. Every week this has been, you know, fun for us. Here's some of Francisco Lindor wearing the microphone during the game. Hey, this is one of the funniest things I've seen so far in the year. You can't talk to Max when he's pitching. Right. How do you tell him you got him in a double play? Did you, didn't you say you use a lot of hand motions? <laughs> <laughs> you don't even look. 
Yeah, so you can't talk to him. You can't touch him, right? You just you stay away from uh, Max when he's pitching? Max doesn't exist when he's pitching. <laughs> <laughs> See. What's he like when he's not pitching? He's, he's actually funny. Um, he, he's a character. Good guy when you play against him, but when he's on your team. Turn it, baby. Yay! There you go. See how I blocked that ball. Francisco can multitask, answer questions about Escobar, and feel the hard hit grounder. That was 102 off the bat. Yeah, yeah baby, yeah, baby. Here we go. They turn the double play. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. After this, two yeah, 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 yeah. over the Phillies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Carl, you and I get asked the question a lot about who we root for, uh, and I always say you root for the story. And here was a classic example of that <laughs> when that ball was hit to Lindor with a runner at first base. Because, I, you know, in, from my position field level, I could see the ball was absolutely scorched. And immediately right. the thought balloon goes over my head, oh, my God, please don't mess it up. <laughs> I was that was worried. just and, that bubble. It, yeah, and then it's funny because as Lindor's running off and, and we go to commercial break, uh, you know, I, I mentioned to you guys in the booth and you guys had the same thought, like, thank God he didn't make an error. Lindor heard all of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He said, uh, he said, I, he said, my heart is beating. I mean, it's interesting what these, what these incredible athletes who perform on this stage, having that, you know, apparatus in their ear and the microphone on it, it does narrow the focus on them. And, We've seen Kike Hernandez have a ball hit to him, and Lindor knew, like, I golly, I better make this play. There was no way it was getting by him. And it's funny, as you know, the story about Francisco and his dad in Puerto Rico when he was just a little kid. I mean, he was six or seven years old. He told us the story before the game. You know, he grew up, and he grew up in a development that had three roads. And as he said, this was A, B, and C. And when he was young, road C hadn't been developed yet. It was just a kind of a road with no homes on it. And there were horses, and there were... Uh, other animals there, and there was a bunch of shrubbery and trees. It just was un undeveloped. And the dad would be at the top of the hill and hit ground balls to him. And if it got by him, it would roll all the way down the hill. And as he said, I'm seven years old. I know there are some horses and some cows in there, but I don't know what else is in that stuff. I, I'm a little scared. I don't want to go in there. The idea that that ball had any chance of getting past him was zero last night based on his upbringing and and the fear of, wait a minute, everybody's listening to me and watching me. I am making this play. And his heart started beating, which was human, which is really cool. Yeah, I was trying to envision that, uh, you know, a seven-year-old Francisco Lindor standing at the bottom of the hill and his dad being the taskmaster, hitting ground balls down it. Uh, yeah. you, you know, like he was taking ricochets off his you know, yep. chest and his legs and the whole thing. He was playing the hockey goalie. That's right. From having to go into that field where they had, as he described, bulls. Like he was, right. he was legitimately right. afraid. So, so that was really cool. And it was cool for us to get a look at the Mets, who right now, I don't think there's any doubt, they're the best team in baseball with how they're playing. They get the second no-hitter in franchise history on Friday night, combined no-hitter, and there was still that afterglow over the weekend after that. Uh, Carl, you look at the standings today. There's six games ahead of the Atlanta Braves. And look, we saw the Braves come back and win that division, yeah. make up a deficit last year. So we're far from over. But you better not lose contact with the Mets with how they're playing. Yeah, I mean, again, you know, you're asked all the time about when is Jacob deGrom coming back? And all of right. the stuff that the Mets are doing are without the best pitcher in baseball. And I'd say a, there's, there's to me, there's a jury out on deGrom. I, I 
I think anything they get out of DeGrom personally this year would be a bonus. It's to, it's so great to me. I'm just not certain what his future is with the team with regards to this season. Um, so they're doing it without him. Uh, they clearly have an owner and a general manager and a manager that are unified, and we want to get to the postseason this year. Um, look, I, I, I think there's just separation already. I think we're starting to see trends in baseball uh, of the teams that are legitimate contenders, really, really good teams, and the Mets you know, and the Dodgers, the Giants, I don't think you ever count out. The Cardinals are another one, but, uh, and I think the Braves are in that conversation but the Braves are you know they're struggling right now and you look at who they're lining up in the series coming up and it's and it's Freed and it's Morton and it's Anderson and and you know all their arms are there Acuna's back so I I think based on just their abilities and what we saw last year and you know the Mets had a mini collapse last year you know the Mets didn't finish the job and we'll see if the, the new ownership the new leadership uh, the different players changes that over the course of a season. Buck will be the first to tell you, man, we're in May. We, we just started May, but let's all pump the brakes. But I agree with you. The way they're playing every night, it's somebody else that's contributing. It's, uh, it's a cool thing to see when you have a plan and the plan works. Yeah, and would it be interesting at the end of this series, it's, it's possible, you know, it could be a 2-1 and there's not really much change in the standings. It's also possible the Braves could be nine games out That's by true. the end of the series, which is why it feels like that even in early May, there's uh, there's going to be some pressure, some intensity in this series. What I hear about Acuna from the Braves people is his timing's not quite there yet, but you mm-hmm. know he'll eventually get that back. This series will start today after a really interesting roster choice is made by the Mets. Uh, you know, we, we spent a lot of time talking about it last night because Dom Smith was so good. Uh, at a time when the conversation within the organization is, you know what, do we need to solve this roster crunch? Because every team has to reduce the roster from 28 to 26 by noon Eastern time today. Uh, Can the Mets do that by sending Dom Smith to the minor leagues? Well, he went out and threw four hits out last night. They could send J.D. Davis to the minor leagues, but, you know, he's a a good hitter. Uh, I think they like him coming off the bench and like him being a factor. You know, there are a couple of other guys they could go to. But I think everyone is wondering today, is this the day that the Mets cut Robinson Cano, who's 39 years old, he's hitting 195, all the metrics suggest that he's struggling against high velocity, Uh, they owe him a lot of money for this year, and they owe a lot of money to him for next year, but if you're Steve Cohen, the owner, you can look at that as sunk cost and a deal that was made before he bought the team, if you're Billy Epler, Carl, what's the decision you're making? It's a difficult one. I, I don't think it's as easy as uh, we inherited this. It's not our choice. Let's just move on. And money's not really a factor for us. And, and it may not be. You know, yeah, I saw Lindor come out and say, I, I, I would be reluctant to, and I don't want to see Cano um, being sent out and, and having his career end here. And I, I think that's a powerful voice. Uh, there are options to, to see if there's anything left. If, if I'm Billy Epler, I've seen enough. I have enough evidence. And and it's, you know, this is <laughs> the great caveat is when someone says, with all due respect, it implies that there's really not a lot of respect, but they say that anyway. In the case of Cano, it's as much to me about the team and the way it's structured now with the players that you just mentioned and the 
the contributions that you're getting from them, when you compare that with the contributions that you're not getting from Cano, you know, we, we have this group of players and it meshes this way. Cano is not the guy that was winning home run derbies. He's not the guy that was a, you know, a 320 batter. Um, the game has changed. And I, and I think, uh, to me, if I'm Billy Epler, I think Cano is the decision to make. You know, and, I, and I'm comfortable in doing that, especially with what we've built around everyone else on this team. Uh, without having to utilize Robin Cano's abilities, and I'd love for Cano to go somewhere else because somebody's going to get somebody's going to pick him up and yeah. and see if what the argument for keeping him is is legitimized. There is there lightning in the bottle. Is he going to figure this out? Is it too early? He's a great hitter, and hopefully somebody else does that. And for his sake, he hits again. But for the Mets and the way they're constructed, Cano is the guy that I would I would. So I had an interesting conversation with a friend of Cano's over the weekend, uh, and I think that his PED bus, he's had two of them in his career, uh, those are instructive in this moment. Uh, because as you and I know, uh, Cano got that huge contract from the Mariners, and yet, you know, he, that money was guaranteed. He'd already been paid, and yet twice he's been busted for PEDs. And his friend asked a rhetorical question, why do you think he took the PEDs? Because he'd already gotten his money, Carl, and the reason his friend believes is he knows he needs help, right? He knows that this is, you know, part something that was going to benefit him to help him be a better player. If that's what he really believes internally uh, and he doesn't have access to that now and he's, you know, that uh, that's two years ago or a year ago that that all happened, that gives you some insight into how he's feeling about his swing. Uh, I, yeah. I was fascinated by watching the Phillies over the weekend because we got, a, a, you know, again, a close look at Bryce Harper. Uh, he hit a home run last night, Carl, and yet when you're watching him go through this period right now, he's not off to a great start. He's mm-hmm. not really taking any walks. He's swinging at the first pitch a lot. And to me, it's all a reminder of how difficult it is to hit a baseball in the big leagues. Yeah, and again, you take Harper's night last night, which there were strikeouts, but there were a whole bunch. Most people, most people would look at it and say, pretty productive night. I mean, we, we hit a home run, we struck out. That's that's what we do. Um, I agree with you. And, and again, I, I go back to uh, I, the elbow. Um, the idea that it hurts when he throws and has there's zero pain when you're swinging, I don't doubt it. I, I have absolutely no reason to think that. Um but I do know that as somebody who has a variety of different physical maladies pop up, when, when you begin to do something because something else is hurt, you, you're overcompensating, your body is being affected in ways that you hadn't anticipated, it's hard for me to think that the arm which is preventing him from playing any defense at all is not somewhere subconsciously in his head when he's swinging the bat, when he's trying to get ahead when he's swinging at first pitches because generally in his world, he thinks this is going to be a strike. I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to find a pitch and I'm going to try to get out of this funk I'm in. Uh, yes, it is a brutally difficult game. Yes. His approach is a little bit different. Uh, um, assuming his elbow doesn't get worse. I think Bryce Harper has a really good track record, especially given how young he is that he'll figure this out, but absolutely he's struggling. Um, and to, this, to some degree, Kyle Schwarber was doing the yeah. same thing. He's not taking walks either, but he's hitting the ball more consistently. And his, you know, his production, his home runs, his RBIs are such that we can, 
we can kind of accept it. Harper's an MVP. Schwarber's not going to be an MVP, but he's a hitter, and right now he's he's hitting at a at a better clip production wise than Harper is. I I agree with you. It's it's interesting to see him come up, and you know, it's like first pitch. He's gonna swing. That's not who Bryce Harper has been. But Joe Girardi said it to us. Like maybe he's just searching for that one pitch to to kind of jumpstart this motor. But I'm worried about the elbow buster. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, uh, 100%. We'll get more information later today about Shohei Otani and, and this uh, yeah. groin tightness he had yesterday and whether it's going to keep him off the field. One way or the other, the Angels are off to a great start. Finally, <laughs> it feels yeah. like we've had the same conversation about the Angels, you know, winter after winter after winter. They have to get pitching. And it feels like they finally have a beachhead of pitching, Carl. They have a beachhead of pitching, and I think that for, for us that have been watching the Angels so closely, it's kind of like, all right, so when is Trout and Otani going to play together consistently, be healthy, which is happening now? Is Anthony Rendon also going to be the guy that we saw a couple years ago when he was with Washington and one of the best third basemen in baseball? And who else is going to help them score? Because we've been so focused on pitching, that you tend to forget, like, this is an offense that has relied, for the most part, last year on one guy. Um, this year, with Trout being healthy, too. And now Ward has been so good, and the lineup yep. is so much longer. And Syndergaard looks like he is really going to be a good pitcher. And Shohei's been, been great. That there is, there is some magic going on there in in Los Angeles beyond just the Dodgers. But I, I think we focus so much on their lack of pitching, rightfully so. You forget, like, they weren't a great offense. And Trout's the best player in baseball, and he wasn't playing. But now the Otani, you know, issue with his leg is is pause for concern. Like, no, like, wait a minute, things are going well here. Let's not Let's not mess this up with Shohei being hurt. So, yeah, the pitching's been really good. I think the lineup has been a lot better, and that helps Joe do what he's trying to do. Yeah, Mike Trout off to a great start. He's got the highest OPS great. in baseball, over 1,200. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, one of my, uh, my crazy predictions on ESPN.com this year was that he was going to hit 60 homers, be the first guy since Bonds in 2001 to do it. I still think that's going to happen. I'm not sure about the Red Sox. I picked them to make the playoffs this year. Uh, Carl, they're now seven and a half games behind the Yankees, seven behind the Blue Jays after losing a series in Baltimore. And they are spinning their wheels uh, for you on a scale of one to ten. Uh, you know, the, the context is obvious. We're in early May. We've got a long way to go. But on a scale of one to ten, how concerned are you about the Red Sox? Oh, well, I think the factors you just mentioned have it at about a seven to between a seven and a nine. Which totally is agree. So that's where I'm at. Um, part of that is, I think, the way that they're constructed. A lot of it has to do with where the Yankees and Blue Jays are, and that's not even talking about the Rays who are a pain in everybody's butt um, because they're consistently good. But there, there are significant holes there. And unlike the Mets, who are doing this without Jacob deGrom and look like a real complete team even without him, I don't know what Chris Sale is going to look like, uh, but that's kind of a big wild card for this team. If he comes back and is able to pitch, that's that's a huge deal. Um, but their their dependence on, and I think, look, I think the whole Bogarts Devers thing becomes a bigger thing as this team struggles. Um, so much of 
problem, so many problems can be addressed when you're winning and the Mets are winning. The, the angels are winning. There, there are flaws with the angels that because they're off to a good start, you don't talk about the Red Sox playing a nasty division. They don't hit consistently enough. They rely on Bogart's endeavors uh, so much in order for their offense to show up. Trevor Story's new to the organization, new to the city. He's new to the league. Uh, I, I have it as an eight. Um, the, the pitching is a the pitching's a big concern. I don't think that they really know what to do with uh, with Hauk. Should he be a starter? Should he be a long reliever? How do we how do we use him? So it's different. Um, the caveat to all of that is, you know, Alex Cora has been really good about about taking teams and and making chicken salad out of you know what. I don't think this is chicken salad. Uh, I don't think it's chicken you know what. It's somewhere in between, and we'll see if if a manager is able to somehow gel all these ingredients and end up with uh, something that comes out of the oven that's really you know really tasty. But I'm skeptical. And if they do stabilize, it has to be the offense that happens. And I think when you look at Trevor's story struggles, I'm curious to see if you agree with me on this. Just look at Francisco Lindor last year, you know, dropping uh-huh. in from a small market into New York, signing a big contract, a lot of pressure, a lot of focus, and he really struggled with it. Year two, it's better. Trevor's story is known as a guy who's super intense. He really cares about his performance. I'm sure that he's feeling that pressure in the same way we saw with Lindor last year. I think so, and I, and again, I, I think within that clubhouse, you have a new guy come in. He looks around. He got a lot of money. He sees stars: Bogarts, Devers, Star, JD Martinez, etc. And, and yet, to me, there's this undercurrent of kind of a lack of of uh, I don't know harmony, a lack of cohesion, a lack of we're all in this together and we're feeling good about it. And I don't, you know, I don't know. You tell me what's the distinction between the Aaron Judge contract conversations and the way that the Bogarts Devers thing went down? Why does one seem to be tabled and the team's doing really well, and the other one seems to, at least in my world, be kind of bubbled? I got an answer for you because Judge got a big offer. Like he turned down a contract, like a, a massive deal. You know, two hundred thirteen million. The total deal would have been worth $230 million. And I agree with you. Like, I, I, you know Xander Bogarts. He's a great guy. He's not yeah. going to be upset with, with Trevor Story individually. Um, you know, nobody's going to hold that against him. But it is kind of amazing that you have this clubhouse of so many accomplished players. And is Bogarts the highest paid guy? Nope. They didn't go anywhere in their contract talks. Is Devers the highest paid guy? Nope. That didn't go anywhere. Who's the highest paid guy? Trevor Story, who dropped in. And, and right. I, I agree with you. There's a little something, an undercurrent that comes out of a situation like that. It certainly feels that way. And again, winning can help a lot of that. Judge is having a great year. Yes, he got a huge offer. Um, you know, you could make the case that uh, Xander Bogarts was offered an extra $30 million, which is good, but it doesn't compare to what some of Not the other guys close. in his position. Right. Yeah, it doesn't compare. So, um, but yeah, there, there's, there's an undercurrent. And I, you know, I, I, do, I just don't think they have the same quality depth that the Yankees and the Blue Jays have. And I think they're, they're probably a little below where the Rays are. So to, if, you, if you take that and you, you recognize and agree with it, they're a fourth place team. All right. We've got about 90 seconds left. I want to touch on the Trevor Bauer situation. We're not going to go you know, into the specifics of what was, has been alleged. Uh, you know, yep. This latest Washington Post story, a third woman coming out 
and also making allegations. Uh, I just want to get to the question with you of, you know, how likely is it that he pitches again? Because I think it's it's very likely that he's not going to pitch in the big leagues again. And I think for two reasons, Carl. One, uh, the amount of time it's going to take for this to play out. You know, let's say for argument's sake that he winds up serving all the full two years of the suspension. He's going to be 33 years old when that happens. Uh, and that means some of the prime years of his career will be behind him. And the second thing is, and I think this is undeniable, teams' perspectives on players uh, linked to you know to domestic violence uh, charges under Major League Baseball, under uh, you know Major League Baseball's policy, they've taken a different look at those players. And I think the the most prominent example is Roberto Asuna, who's 27 years old. I uh, served a, a suspension for domestic violence. The Astros traded for him, and since uh, his time with them ended, no one's picking him up. He's one of the best relievers in the world, and no one has touched him. And I, I wonder whether, you know, you know, Trevor Bauer, the specifics of his case, bottom line is this chapter is now part of his history, and I think teams will, will weigh that as they do risk-reward. What do you think? Well, I, you know, look, baseball's got a history of uh... – of collaborating on decisions like that right. when it comes to players. Uh, so that, that if, if that's the case and that's the thinking right now, then, then you're probably right about him not pitching again. I would only say that I think um, historically with this particular leadership of Major League Baseball, uh, they, they, and I think you and I would probably agree on this, they have their reasons for the punishments that they meet out. They don't just randomly throw punishments out. Um, I think given the legal background that they have, uh, much of it is, is rooted in precedent. Much of it is rooted, all of it is rooted in evidence. Uh, when something like this happens to the same way you started this, which we're not going to get into the details, I don't think that we are privy to half the details. I think there's just more um, to warrant a full two-year suspension on top of the games that he's already missed. Uh, um I don't think it's necessarily, uh, you know, our world to recognize or find out what those are, but I don't think that they hand out punishments like this without there being a great deal of, of in their world evidence. They've got their own investigation. I, I don't know what that is, but that's where I fall. I, and with regards to pitching again, I, I don't know. I mean, Bauer's bet against himself so many times before. He's, he's kind of proven a lot of people wrong. Right. Um, he may be just stubborn and determined enough and good enough to, at 33, get back out there. So I, I wouldn't say never on the pitching part of it. Whether the teams are willing to take him back, that's another question. But if it was strictly a pitching thing with him, I, I think he would try to pitch again. Uh, he was not charged in the criminal case in Southern California, and he is denied uh, allegations, all the allegations that have come out. And so that, uh, that should be noted. We'll see how that goes forward with the appeal. All right, Ravi, thanks for doing this. Great to see you again. You too, bud. Thanks, Buster. Dogs are an important part of our lives and keeping them protected is a top priority, especially against nasty parasites. That's why you got to check out NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus Chews provide one and done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease, plus it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef flavored soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. 
So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NextGuard Plus Chews. They're the one-and-done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Used with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting preventive. We're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Buster. Just go to Indeed.com slash Buster right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Buster. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is The Numbers Game with Sarah Langs. Sarah Langs, reporter and producer for MLB.com. Sarah, happy birthday. I feel like I'm about the million, you know, the millionth person to wish you a happy birthday. That started last night during Sunday Night Baseball. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much. Yes, yeah, so kind of Carl Ravitch on Sunday Night Baseball last night to wish me an early happy birthday. I love my birthday. I talk about it a lot. We talked last year about how... I don't self-promote. I don't talk about myself. The only thing about myself that I will talk about is my birthday because I just love birthdays. So thank you so much. Well, it doesn't surprise me because you're, you're someone whose career is rooted on facts and notes. And so a birthday, right, is a very specific yeah. fact. Uh, I am going to dig into your birthdays, though. Tell me the best birthday present that you can remember that you got from your parents. Oh my gosh, off the top of my head. That's so difficult. Um, I mean, oh my gosh, you know, one year, I know, I know what it is. Um, After Shea Stadium closed, when I was still sort of in the fandom portion of my, uh, of my baseball career, my parents did get me one of those uh, Shea Stadium seats, which is still in my room in my parents' house uh, in in New York City. So an orange seat from Shea Stadium probably has to be it off the top of my head. I'm sure I'm forgetting something, but uh, that was pretty incredible. That's that that is pretty incredible. Best one for me when I I was seven years old. We got a bicycle. My birthday's in mid-February and I lived in Vermont. (laughs) Thanks, parents. Right. I wouldn't, couldn't, oh couldn't ride it on the ice, couldn't be outside with it. So I had to sit and look at it for two months. All right. Let's play the numbers game. Number three. Number three is 41. So Kevin Gossman still hasn't walked anyone this year. He's up to 41 strikeouts without a walk. 
that would be the third most, right? That would be the third most to start a season, most strikeouts before first walk since 1900. And if this sounds familiar, it's because Corbin Burns did it last year. He had 58 strikeouts before his first walk. Kenley Jansen, the other guy ahead of Gossman on the list with 51 strikeouts before his first walk in 2017. But Gossman's not really on the list yet because he hasn't walked anybody yet. So we'll see how far he gets with all of this. Number two. Number two is 2,700. That's how many career strikeouts Clayton Kershaw has right now. Really, really cool moment to see him become the Dodgers' all-time strikeout leader this weekend. I think I tweeted something along the lines of like, Some things just make sense. It makes sense that Clayton Kershaw is the all-time strikeout leader for the Los Angeles Dodgers and the Brooklyn Dodgers, all of the Dodgers in baseball history. He's struck out 863 different batters over the course of 2,700 strikeouts. Number one. Number one is 22. So that's how many swings and misses Max Scherzer had last night on Sunday in baseball. He gave up some home runs. We saw that. I mean, through five batters, I thought he was going to strike out everybody in the game. He ends up giving up the home runs. What a performance by Kyle Schwarber against the Mets this weekend and overall in his career. But we have to give credit to Max Scherzer. 81 games in his career with at least 20 swings and misses. The next most in the pitch tracking era, which conveniently dates to the first year of his career in 2008, is 46 by Chris Sale. That is quite the hefty lead. All right. So Max Scherzer is part of this culture change that we're seeing with the team. Uh, And at the ballpark, Sarah, you know, being in City Field last night, you could just feel the enthusiasm of the fans there. Uh, you made reference to the fact that you grew up a Mets fan. I'm wondering if this is the type of team where there's a little bit of that fandom can can be in place for you. Yes or no? I don't know. I'm really, you know, since I've been in this job, especially with MLB, you know, I'm a little bit separate from that. But it's really fun to see a fan base enthused. You know, I think we're seeing with the Toronto Blue Jays this year, we really saw it with the Atlanta Braves last year and the World Series. And it's really cool to see a fan base that I think deserves this and has certainly been looking for this kind of team. So we'll see. And I'm sure my parents are going to text me and say, are you sure about that with that answer to Buster? So we'll see about that. But I know all the Mets fans in my life are uh, very, very thrilled with how they've been playing this year. Yeah, it's amazing how your fandom does kind of go away. Like the last yeah. year uh, when I graduated from college, 1988, the Dodgers, my favorite team growing up, Psycho Dodger fan, they won the World Series that year. And then the next spring, I started covering the Nashville Sounds professionally and it went away. But like that 1988 team was like the perfect team for me to sign off on, right? Like yeah. the last year, you get the Oral Hersizer's great streak, Kirk Gibson, you know, the home run in the World Series. Uh, and then after that's just gone. <laughs> it really is kind of funny where you go from being completely passionate to just being passionate about the game and, and about the best stories. All right, Sarah, thanks for doing this. Enjoy your birthday. Thanks so much for having me, Buster.
Bleacher Tweets. Alrighty, Buster. Bleacher Tweets for a glorious Monday. And we need to highlight the fact uh, what we've been doing on Mondays and what we will continue doing on Mondays as we go forward. And we'll start with this Bleacher Tweet. Steve Banton at SBanton16 writes, And hey, guys, I'd like you to remind us where we can catch the podcast, we, where we can watch the podcast. Excuse me. We like options. Well, you can watch Mondays, kind of our main meaty part of the show on YouTube now. Normally, you know, we do that with Tim Kirkshin. Tim Kirkshin, uh off this week, so we have Carl Ravage step in. No big deal, but you can watch that main Monday portion of the podcast on YouTube on the ESPN page. You should definitely subscribe to the ESPN page. It looks great. Our guy, Anthony, uh, who's pr- producing the video, does a great job, um, and we're really excited about it and hope we can do more going forward. So you, gotta, you guys got to watch it on there, too, and if it does well, then we can do more. That's kind of how this works. Awesome. Uh, yeah, let's make it happen. All right. David Fitzgerald at Dave Fat Kid writes in, if the Red Sox keep on this bad pace, will Xander Bogarts and Rafael Devers be on the trade block? I don't think uh, the Devers will be in the trade block this year, but it's interesting. I think Bogarts might be because it does feel like that the Red Sox were a million miles away from signing him. And if it's a lost season, well, you know what? Why not? In mid-year, they traded Mookie Betts. They certainly are capable of trading Xander Bogarts. Eric E at Esoteric Eric Zero writes in, Hey, Buster, what do you think is the cause for guys who perennially have slow starts to their season? Can it all be weather-related? Is there more to it? Yeah, Eric, this year, there's just so many variables in play. We had this shortened spring training. Uh, we had the unusual nature of spring where, you know, rather than guys getting one plate appearance and then after a week of that getting two and sort of slowly ramping up, they had to squeeze a whole bunch uh, of plate appearances into a short period of time. Uh, we all wonder about the effect of the humidors that all teams are using right now. We've heard the conversation around the baseball, you know, and how it's not traveling as far. I, I, I wish I could give you a really concrete answer, but I feel like this year in particular, I cannot. Last one for today, Don Irvine at Don Irvine writes in, I wish Buster's bet with me on who will win more games. The Nationals or Orioles was on for this season. I think I'd stand a decent chance of winning this year. Ooh, the Nats look rough, dude. <laughs> it's- yeah, they do. Uh, and I would expect that uh, once we get to midseason, they're potentially going to trade some of their guys like, you know, Josh Bell, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, Don, I, I mean, we didn't do the bet before the season started, but I'll, I'll do a gentleman's bet with you. Okay. Ooh, no right. stakes per se, but I'll I'll uh, I'll take that bet. I do agree with you. It's going to be really close. All righty, Don. There you go. Thanks for writing in, everyone. Hashtag Bleacher Tweets on Twitter. Please follow, rate, and review this podcast wherever you listen to wa- podcasts and watch the show on YouTube. Yeah, Don. Just keep on reminding me. You know, if the Orioles <laughs> yeah. wind up uh, starting to lap the Nationals in terms of how many wins they have, just just keep on reminding me on these Bleacher Tweets. That's off. <laughs> Well, I know Taylor will as well. That's it for today. My thanks to Carl, Sarah, Sarah, and Taylor. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And remember, hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day. Dogs are an important part of our lives. That means protecting them from parasites. Ask your vet about NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner. Moxidectin, and pyrantal chewable tablets. NextGuard Plus Chews provides one-and-done monthly protection against fleas, ticks, heartworm disease, roundworms, and hookworms. Plus, they're delicious and easy to give. Use with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive. Ask about NextGuard Plus Chews.